the hard work you do around here, turning lights on and off, running computers and laptops and musical performance and all that. We couldn't do it without you, and we really appreciate it. Well, we've come to the main message now, and we're going to start as we always do with prayer. Lord, as we open our Bibles now, uh, we know you have an important lesson to teach us. So help us to have open ears, uh, a focused attention, and an open heart to take in what you intend. We know that your goal for us is to grow in Jesus Christ, to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ, and that's a, a, serious, a serious thing that we're involved in here. Help us never to take it lightly and uh, speed our growth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, I've got my trusty uh, throat lozenges here today, so if I start to get that tickle in the back of my throat, reach for one of these, please forgive me. Well, as you noticed in the bulletin today, we're going to be talking about spiritual maturity. Uh, spiritual maturity is something that uh, we're all growing in, whether you realize it or not. You know, when it comes to physical maturity, you don't have any choice in the matter. We're all maturing physically, aren't we? The body is growing older. First, it starts as a baby, as my grandson is here today, and he starts growing, which he already is, starts developing. But then you, there comes a time when you reach full size and uh, you start to kind of go downhill from there. The body starts to you know, get a little weaker as the years go by, becomes a little bit more fragile, and uh, you can't stand in the way of physical maturing. But we're here to talk about spiritual maturing, which does not come naturally. It takes effort. God is there to do his part, which he does willingly. But you see, we as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, must participate in what God is doing in our life. Because his goal is for us to mature spiritually. God builds spiritual maturity in us along with our participation. And uh, I, I hate to say it, but as a pastor over the years, I have known of some people who were past their years, you know, numerical years in growth as a Christian. I mean, they've been around for a long time. But unfortunately, you don't see the corresponding spiritual growth in their life. You know, the longer we're in the church, the longer we're Christians, people should be able to see in us, they should be able to have confidence in us as longer time Christians that we are solidly grounded in Jesus Christ in our lives. Amen. And of course, they need new people who come along need to be able to look up to examples, physical examples in the congregation of members who have been here a long time, Amen. who are solid, who are faith-driven people, who have a, a tremendous relationship with Jesus Christ. And I just ask you to kind of take a personal inventory as we talk a little bit about this today. Spiritual growth does not come with God somehow waving a magic wand and poof, you know, you're spiritually mature. As most all of us know, that spiritual maturity <clears throat> takes time and it comes in different various ways different experiences we have in life. It depends on our diligence. Of course, we know that someone who's spiritually mature is a person who practices <clears throat> what they call the spiritual disciplines. Can anybody name any of the basic spiritual disciplines that we have as Christians? 
meditation, thank you. That's when you, maybe you're reading a scripture and just take time to think about it. Ask God, hey, what does this mean for me? What's another one? Prayer, Prayer thank you. Prayer, meditation, what else? Bible study, excellent. Any others? Worship, church, yes, of course. Another one I can think of is uh, well, fasting. But Bible does talk about fasting, just the going without to get closer to God, to focus a little bit more on Him. Put the physical things aside, stress the spiritual. So it goes without saying that somebody who is spiritually mature as a Christian is going to be well versed in these sorts of things, spiritual disciplines. That goes without saying. I mean, we've been around long enough to know. But there's a couple of other areas that I'd like to focus on today. There are, are several that we could touch on when it comes to spiritual maturity. But uh, I've got three of them selected here today, and I hope you benefit from this. We'll go back here to Ephesians. In Ephesians 4, and beginning in verse uh, 12, the Apostle Paul is talking to the church at Corinth here, and he's talking about how God has put the church together, not just the body of Christ as a whole, but each individual congregation, as he has for our congregation. And he's gifted people, it says in verse 12 of Ephesians 4, to prepare God's people for good works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up, notice, until we all reach unity in the faith, and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So God is in the process of working with us individually, working with the church as a whole, but working with each believer individually to help us to grow to be like Jesus. You know, a lot of times we read the Gospels and we read Jesus did that, Jesus said that. You know, all about his life, we got four different versions of it, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But as we read those stories, do we comprehend the reality that God is changing us into Jesus? We're to talk like Jesus, we're to act like Jesus, we're to pray like Jesus, we're to do everything that Jesus did to the best of our ability. Now that doesn't come naturally. Because we've all been called out of the world, the carnal, natural world. And Jesus said, I am not of this world. So there's a big change that's been going on in our lives. We started to look, to look at life differently, not in the same carnal way in which we were raised and as we grew up. But we're trying to look at the world through the eyes of God. And God is trying to make us like Jesus. And you may not admit it, but we've made progress. <clears throat> it's hard to see progress when you look at yourself in the mirror every single day. <clears throat> progress is slow, but I can encourage you to say that progress is there. And God is very pleased with the progress that we've made, but we're all on this journey. And the journey doesn't end until Jesus Christ returns. Amen. Now, the three areas that I'd like to focus on when it comes to spiritual maturity that the Bible points out. The first one is doctrine. The second one is an obedience. And the third one is 
in our relationship with Jesus Christ. So those are the three areas we'll be discussing. First of all, spiritual maturity is very important when it comes to doctrine, what we believe as Christians. And notice he goes on to say here in verse 14 of Ephesians 4, he talks about coming to the fullness of Christ, becoming mature believers, spiritually mature. If we do, he says in verse 14, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by every cunning and, and the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. So there's a danger. We have to become spiritually mature in doctrine, what we believe as Christians. And if we're not, we're going to be in trouble because there's a lot of deceivers out there. There's a lot of lies out there. There are a lot of people trying to manipulate us one way or the other, usually for their personal gain. And God doesn't want to see us made merchandise of as Christians. He says in verse 15, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, that is the church, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So we have to have maturity in doctrine. Now there are a lot of quote unquote teachers out there who teach things that have a little bit of truth in them, but error as well. And you know, this problem goes back to the times of the early church when Paul was warning, as he's warning the church in Ephesus here, to avoid this type of wrong doctrine that is bandied about. Now, in our day today, it is just as available. You know, just as there were traveling preachers back in Paul's day, people who would come into town one day, maybe stay for a week or two and then leave, go to, go to the next town, bringing whatever ideas, whatever beliefs they felt important and they wanted to convince other people of. And Paul had to continue to warn the churches. Now there was a group called the Judaizers who were kind of following Paul as he journeyed. And after Paul taught the people, they would come along and say, well, you know, what Paul said was nice, but you know, those Old Testament laws, you still have to keep those. You still have to be circumcised. You still have to do this. You still have to do that. And then Paul had to go back and say, no, listen, believe what I say. I'm teaching you as Christ taught me. We've moved away from the old covenant. We're living under the terms of the new covenant now. You know, in a similar way today, there are, are teachers available. And I know that many of you, this is not the only teacher you listen to. All you have to do is turn on TV, cable TV, satellite TV. Uh, I don't know if they still have preachers on the radio, but they're, they're so available on the internet. All you have to do is turn your computer on and you can kind of pick and choose. You need to be careful. You need to be careful. You know, I've been preaching to you for 25 years now, and I've always made it a point to preach sound doctrine to you. You might say, well, fine, Pastor John, but sometimes you get a little dry or a little boring. 
I like to listen to some of these other guys or some of these other women. They have new ideas. They have different kinds of ideas. Be careful. Be careful. Because in some cases, they're manipulating the gospel. They believe in Jesus Christ, but they have different views on how to get to him or, or, or what your responsibilities are as a Christian and things about faith and things about uh, you know, obedience and things about salvation. You know, I, I've warned you many times that you have to be careful. And a lot of the individuals out there are manipulating you or trying to convince you of different things for a reason. Chiefly, they want to make money. Now, if you watch a, a preacher on TV and you do a little bit of research and background and find out that the person's a multimillionaire, you have to be careful because they've been successful in what they're doing. They always have a book to sell. They always have a video to sell you in some very weird and strange ways. You know, they want to sell you some water from the Jordan River that is going to give you a special blessing. Or they've got some dirt from Mount Sinai that they dug up that they want to share with you because, you know, they teach you that's going to bless you in a certain way. And you know what? You may not fall for stuff like that. But I'll tell you what, as P.T. Barnum once said, there's a sucker born every minute. Don't fall for that kind of stuff, okay? You're being taught sound truth. You're being taught biblical truth. And you know what? I don't say this to praise myself in any way, but God has blessed you with a pastor who has been trained, who has been educated uh, by very sound and dependable teachers. And, uh, you know, with, I've got a degree. You know, there was a time in this church, this denomination, where we used to make fun of theological degrees and because most of our teachers didn't have one. But I had the privilege of, you know, being taught in seminary by teachers who knew the Bible, who knew the languages that the Bible was written in, knew the Hebrew, knew the Greek, <coughs> knew the, the cultures in which Jesus lived, and uh, were able to answer questions in a very sound and, and dependable way. Now, again, a lot of the teachers that are available today have not had the right education, the sound education when it comes to the Bible. And again, I don't say this to praise myself, because many years I spent in the church, I had pastors who didn't really have the education. And again, it's glory goes to God for that. And I try to teach you from the heart exactly what I know and what I've learned. I pass along to you what was taught to me. And sometimes, you know, as I prepare sermons, I got to kind of pick and choose through certain things that have been written. Need to be careful. It's got to be sound doctrine. Because there's a danger out there. People want to make merchandise of you. People want to uh, take advantage of you. And I have always practiced accountability in what I teach. You know, if you want to ask me questions about a point that I made, let's open the Bible and I'll show you. And I use scriptures in my sermons. Not all ministers do, but I want to show you where I'm coming from. So Paul gives the warning, and I give the warning today. We've been in the church long enough that we don't need to be believing crazy ideas that people come up with. 
Now, I know Pastor Dave, all the years he was here, he warned you about the health and wealth gospel. And that's a real warning. We should be warned about that. My bugaboo tends to be prophecy, speculative prophecy, predictive prophecy. And uh, I mean, you can find uh, shows on prophecy any day of the week. All you have to do is you know, turn on your TV or turn on the internet. And with so much of that preaching, there is no accountability. You know, somebody will come up with their latest book saying, okay, this asteroid's gonna hit the earth in this year, or, you know, these uh, blood moons that we've been having and the eclipses, you know, this is a warning from God. You know, and, and these things come and go and nothing happens, so these authors just go on to their next book. I wanna be accountable to you, so I'm not gonna make predictions to you that are not legitimate and you know the, the date may come and go and nothing happens and oh well let's just go on to our next prediction I've always wanted to be honest to you and uh, you know if you don't hear predictive prophecy from me and you really need it you can find it online but you know what that's not spiritual maturity spiritual maturity you know, when it comes to, to basic doctrines, and in Hebrews chapter uh, 5 and 6, it talks about some of the basic doctrines that we learn, things like uh, baptism, uh, redemption. Uh, let's turn there to uh, Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 5, starting in verse 11. Paul here is talking, or the writer of Hebrews is talking about spiritual growth and maturity here. And he says in Hebrews 5, verse 11, we have much to say about this, but it is hard to explain because you are slow to learn. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers yourselves, church members, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word over and over again. You need milk not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death, and of faith in God, instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment, and God permitting, we will do so. So Paul says, listen, you have been around long enough now that you should really have a good, solid understanding of some of the major and fundamental doctrines of the church. And you should have a willingness to continue to go deeper. You know, baptism. We had a, a great sermon on baptism la last week, and we talked not only about being dunked in water, but what that means. Not just in your life, but in Jesus' life. And we continue to go deeper and deeper and deeper because there's a depth of understanding, uh, I think, very interesting stuff there. Instead of speculating on all these crazy things, you know, that, that you find on TV and on the internet and things like that. And you should be at the point now where you can teach, if I were to ask you, come on up here and say a few words about how important baptism is to you and what it meant to you and what do you think about it. Come up here and, you know, give me 10, 12 minutes. Give us a, a, your insight on this. But instead of really knowing these things and knowing that we know them, 
We're on crazy stuff. We're on crazy stuff. You know, I used to like to watch the History Channel on our cable TV. But unfortunately, it has become Ancient Aliens Channel. <laughs> and every time I turn this thing on to see a good, maybe uh, American history here, or history of Western civilization, talk about some character from the past, Napoleon, or it's about ancient aliens. And I mean, there are Christians who are just totally swept up in this. And, and you watch some of these shows and they're saying, well, you know, we think uh, maybe it wasn't God who uh, created this earth. Uh, it seems like maybe it was the aliens who created us all here and someday they'll return to us and you know, teach us about the universe. You need to be careful as Christians that you don't get swept up in this. That's, it has become like a false religion for a lot of people. It was God who created this earth, and it was God who created us and placed us here. Okay, it wasn't ancient aliens. So you need to be careful. Maturity in doctrine. Maturity in doctrine. I never tire of hearing messages about the doctrines of the church, because I always want to dig deeper. More understanding. More meaning for me. And it should be at the point now with all of us that uh, we know these things and we know that we know them and we can teach them to others. Turn with me to 2 Timothy 4, beginning in verse 2. 2 Timothy 4, beginning in verse 2. Paul admonishes teachers, preachers, pastors. He says, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, teacher, pastor, keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. Spiritual growth, first of all, when it comes to doctrines. The second area that I want to talk about is spiritual maturity when it comes to obedience. Again, we've been around long enough to know right from wrong. You agree with me? I mean... Nobody stuns us or just shocks us or surprises us by teaching us from God's word that murder is wrong. <laughs> Excuse me. Murder? Wrong? I never knew that. I never understood that. Or stealing or adultery or... Come on. We've been around long enough. God has put his word not on tablets of stone, but he's written it in our hearts. The Holy Spirit is teaching us every day and directing and guiding us on how to live. We know better. But yet, sometimes we struggle with obedience. In John 14, verse 23, John 14, verse 23, Jesus said this. So, you know, when you think of spiritually mature Christians, you're thinking about obedient people when it comes to God. People who have built a history in their life of obeying God. John 14, verse 23. 
What did Jesus say? After he had dismissed them, he went up to the mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, oh, wait a minute, where am I? John 14. Let's get to the book of John. John 14, verse 23. Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. So you can say you love Jesus Christ, and we should, but we demonstrate it by obeying what he says. Another scripture, and I won't turn there, John 7, verse 17. John 7, 17, if anyone chooses to do God's will, he will find out whether my teaching comes from God. Let me turn just a couple pages there to John 17. John 7, verse 17. John 7, 17, if anyone chooses to do God's will, in other words, obey, he will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. There's a certain aspect about God's teaching, God's way of life, Jesus' commands that say, prove me, prove me. See if, what, see if this teaching is accurate, see if it's real. In other words, what Jesus is saying here is, if you determine to obey God, you will be blessed for it, okay? If you determine in your marriage that you are going to be loyal to your mate, and you're not gonna go after other women or other men, you're not gonna commit adultery, you're gonna remain loyal to your mate for life, you're gonna be blessed for it. Jesus says, prove me on that, test me on that. And we got a room full of people here who can talk about how they've been loyal to their mate in marriage and they've been blessed for it. Mary and I are gonna be celebrating our 41st anniversary on Tuesday and we have been blessed for our loyalty to one another. God has blessed us. We, get, we have a, not only a, a beautiful daughter but a beautiful and cute grandchild right here. This is a blessing. This is a blessing for loyalty in marriage right here. And now, Kathy and her husband, TJ, are reaping a blessing with this child right here. A blessing for loyalty in marriage and love in marriage. Jesus says, if you determine to obey me, go ahead and try it and you will see whether my teaching is true and whether it's from God because you will be blessed for obedience and you will be cursed for disobedience. Remember the chapter back in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy toward the end. It's called the Blessings and Cursings chapter. If I'm not wrong, it's Deuteronomy 28 where God lists to Israel all of the things he wants them to do, how to live. He says, if you obey, you will be blessed. And then he lists all the things you're not to do, like worshiping pagan gods and idols and all this kind of stuff. And if you do those things, you'll be cursed. And, you know, sometimes I look at our country today as a whole, and I see in many respects our nation is under a curse for disobeying God, for pushing God out of our life, out of our communities, out of our schools, out of so much. We as a nation have pushed God out 
I know one of the, the curses for disobedience was God says, I will strike the nation with madness. And man, when I look at our nation today and all of the craziness, all of the people seeking help from psychologists and psychiatrists and all the people on drugs because their lives are totally messed up, they don't have God in their lives. God created us with like a hole here and it's for God. <laughs> you plug God into this part of your life and your life is happy. Your life is peaceful. Your life is stable. There's joy in life. And we've all got this hole here to plug God in. And so many people have chosen not to plug God in there. So to, to fill this openness and this need here, instead of God, they're looking for it in drugs, alcohol, sex, gambling, eating, shopping, whatever. And it's not it's not filling the need that they have. Amen. When you fill the need with God, you'll be blessed for it. Another example, Malachi 3 verse 10, God's talking about, in this case, giving or tithing. He's talking to Old Testament Israel, and he's telling them what they need to do and give a tenth of their income. And he says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see. So, you know, it's, it holds true to us today. We say, be generous in our giving, in our donations. And God says, test me. You be generous to me and see if I'm not generous back to you. Amen. And being spiritual mature, our spiritual mature members could raise their hands and say, Pastor John, let me tell you a story about that. I've experienced that. You know, uh, we have all we need. We've got the cars, we've got the house paid off, we've got this, we've got the clothing. And you know what? It's because we tested God. He said, prove me now herewith, whether I'm going to live up to my word and bless you for obeying me. So if you're spiritually mature, you've got your stories. Amen. And don't be afraid to share them with others, especially with newer people. You know, Pastor John talked about this today. Let me tell you what happened to us and how God blessed us. A mature Christian can speak from life experience as to the blessings they receive for obedience. So we're to obey. You know, we preach a lot about grace and forgiveness, and that's good. We, need, we all need that. We desperately need that. But you see, we respond now to that free gift of salvation by God's grace by obeying we don't obey to be saved we obey because we are saved it's a response thank you a response to God's grace in fact it says in Titus 2 verses 11 and 12 just before Hebrews Titus 2, 11 and 12. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches, what teaches? Grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
obedience. Are you spiritually mature? Do you obey God on a regular basis? Has it become your lifestyle? Not to be saved, but because you are saved. Amen. That's what God is expecting. Grace shows us that our salvation should produce obedience and also forgiveness toward others. But we're not talking about that today. So spiritual maturity in doctrine, spiritual maturity in obedience, and thirdly, and this is a vitally important subject, spiritual maturity in our relationship with God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We're seeking to model our personal character and attributes after that of Jesus. And what do you see in the story of Jesus when you read the Gospels? We've all read the Gospels. You see a man who is the Son of God, fully man and fully God, a man of unwavering faith, fully trusting in God the Father. Throughout, from the day he was born to the day he died on the cross, and even beyond that, in his resurrection, total faith and trust in God. Amen. Total. He didn't turn to anything else for help. He turned to his Father. He was in constant communication with his Father, praying to him, talking to him, learning more about him in his, while he was in his human form, Jesus. We, you see a man, Jesus Christ, denying himself, putting aside all the greatness of what it meant to be God, as it says in Philippians, to come down to this earth to become nothing for our sake, to become human. A man who denied himself and had an attitude of service to others. Whether it was healing, whether it was washing the disciples' feet, encouraging people. Jesus Christ, who is our Savior, but also our Lord and Master, and even our friend. Wow. The Son of God is our personal friend. He has revealed to us all we need to know about the Father and about salvation. And he draws us into a relationship. Remember last week we talked about baptism? Some of you weren't here. We talked about when the, when the minister baptizes you, he immerses you in a tub of water. That symbolizes many things, but one of the things that it symbolizes is he's immersing you into a relationship of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You, you have been drawn into the very relationship of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. You say you don't deserve that? You're right, you don't. That comes with grace. But now that we have been immersed into that relationship, a living relationship, how often do you take advantage of that? You have personal access to God the Father. Amen. Remember when Jesus died on the cross in that great temple building? You know, there was a, a great outer room, a large outer room, and there was a, a special room behind that curtain where the Ark of the Covenant was, and that was the very presence of God. And there was a huge curtain, a very heavyweight curtain that blocked access to God. The presence of God in the Ark of the, of the Covenant in the back, you've all seen the movie, what was the name of that movie? Indiana Jones, thank you. <laughs> and the Ark of the Covenant. When Jesus died on the cross, 
that curtain was torn in half. Meaning you now, through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross, have total access to God. No longer are we blocked off from access to God. We can walk into that room. Of course, he's not there anymore. Amen. How often do you take advantage of that? Do you enjoy being in God's presence? We're in God's presence here. But God's with you every day of your life. He's there at, at, at your side. You know, but there's a scripture that says you should seek God while he is near, while he is available, and he is available right now. So you need to seek him on a regular basis. Your mind needs to be about God. You need to be thinking the things of God. You need to be talking to God on a regular basis. Here we are worshiping him today. We also need to read his word, his inspired word that he's gifted us with. Turn with me to John 15. We studied this, gave it some time in our Bible study when we went through the Gospel of John. Jesus teaches us the lesson about our close contact with him. He says in John 15, 1, I am the true vine, and my father is the gar gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of my word. I've spoken to you. Remain in me, and I'll remain in you. We're branches on a vine, and we need to stay connected to the vine. No vine, or no branch rather, can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. It must remain in close contact with God. It must remain tied and, and connected to the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. It behooves you as a Christian, as a, as a mature Christian, to relish in that connection to Jesus Christ, to stay connected to him, not to wander off and become a dead branch that needs to be cut off. We need to talk to, to God. I had trouble sleeping last night. I probably slept about an hour and a half, all told. I took a lot of time to talk to Jesus, asking him for help, just thinking about him and talking to him. It just needs to be a regular, natural part of our day. Amen. You know, I always talk to my friend Eddie here, who's got a habit of every day when he wakes up, first thing he does is talk to God. He talks about his work day. He talks about how he wants to be ready for any opportunities for good works that come along. Uh, just preparing himself for the day by talking to God, by being in communication with him. God enjoys it when you're in communication with him. You know, you got a little child, which represents us. Don't you, as the father or the mother, like to be in communication with this newborn child? Sure you do. You talk to him, even though he may not completely understand. It's like us with God. You know, when you have a baby, you learn a lot about your relationship with God. Because you, as a parent, kind of represent God to him. You're feeding him. He's helpless without you. You're changing him. You're, you know, whatever you're doing to serve that child, that reminds us of our relationship with God. He's there for us. We need to stay connected to him. And one last uh, verse I want to turn to is Matthew 11, verse 28. Matthew 11, verse 28. 
What did Jesus say to us? You know, we live in a world today where there are so many problems and seemingly so few solutions. We have problems that overwhelm us. We have problems that we cannot solve. We worry about them. We stay up nights about them. We struggle with them. What does Jesus say? He says in uh, Matthew 11, verse 28, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I, I, Jesus Christ, will give you rest. You can put aside all the worry, all the concern, all the anxiety that you're feeling with your problems that are so overwhelming you that they're out of control. He says, come to me with these things. I know you're weary, I know you're burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Why not take advantage of that? You know, sometimes you come to me with problems you're dealing with. And what I like to do with those problems, you know, if I can offer advice or wisdom, I will. But what I like to do with those problems, with your permission, is to take them right to Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, you said we can take to you anything that is overwhelming us, and we want to do this right now. We want to lay this problem that seems unsolvable to us, we're going to lay it at your feet, at the feet of the cross. And you have promised, you have given us your word that you're going to provide peace, comfort, and encouragement. He doesn't always say that he's going to solve all your problems in the way you want them to be solved. He says that he will take that yoke off of you. Let him worry about it. You don't have to worry about it. You have a savior who loves you very much. He is the vine that you're connected to. You're receiving your strength. You're receiving encouragement. Everything that you need, you're receiving from him. He says, come to me. But yet, as immature Christians, we want to solve all our own problems. We're determined that we're going to make it right. We're going to fix it. And a lot of times, the more we try to fix it, the worse the problem gets. Amen. So come first and foremost to Jesus. Stay connected to him. So what have we seen today? We're to have maturity in doctrine. Don't get swept away with crazy ideas. And a lot of Christians do on a daily basis. You need to stick to the basics and get deeper in the basics and know these things and understand them so deeply that you can easily explain them to someone else. Spiritual maturity and obedience. For all the years we've been in the church, if we're not obeying God now, when is it going to happen? When are we going to know that he's got our best interest at heart? <laughs> that he's giving us these things to do and ways to live, loving God with all your heart, mind and soul and loving your neighbor as yourself that's going to benefit you that's going to be a blessing to you and when you act like that and live like that you're representing god because that's what god does that's how god lives and finally maturity in your relationship with god pursue it deepen it jesus said the time is coming when he's going to face people and he's going to judge them and they're going to be people say hey lord remember me I did this for you, and I did that for you, and I earned those funds for that fundraiser, and I cooked the fish for the fish fry. And he's going to say, 
excuse me, I don't know you. I don't know you. You didn't take the time to build a relationship, to develop a relationship, to make it grow. We have that time now, and we have that, I don't want to say warning, but we have that advice. The day's going to come when judgment time comes, and Jesus is going to say, Fred, my friend, Scott, it's good to see you finally face to face, <laughs> because I know you deeply. We've struggled together. I've prayed for you, Jesus is going to say, and here you are now to receive your final reward. God bless you. So spiritual maturity doesn't automatically come with years. It comes with God's effort and our participation. And my hope for you, speaking to myself too, that we grow to be, continue to grow to be deeply mature Christians. Christians that God is well pleased with. <clears throat> Lord, as we conclude the message now, hopefully we've all taken this advice to heart. We still have time. We still have the opportunity. Just fill us with the desire and the need to become more spiritually devoted to you because that's your desire for us. Continue your work in transforming us into the likeness of Jesus Christ himself. That's what pleases you, Father. And uh, that will please us as well. We can't do it by ourselves, but we can participate in what you're doing. Help us to be aware. Help us to be anxious to, to join what you're doing in each of our lives and to respond. Thank you, Lord. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.